Finding a service solution that helps you keep customers happy can feel impossible. Just like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at a networking event. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help, with the service solution part at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, with an AI-powered help desk and chatbot to handle your frontline tickets, so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. What's going on, everyone? It's Friday, July 15th. I'm Zachary Crockett. I'm here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla. Hello. And Mark Dent. Hey, what's up, Juliet? What's up, Zach? You're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. On today's show, college athletes are finally minting money on their brands. Last year, the NCAA ruled that athletes could monetize their name, their brand, and their likeness. We're going to talk about how some players are taking advantage of that now. And we're also going to talk about Costco. Inflation's pounding us from every side, but Costco has made headlines for refusing to raise the price of its infamous $1.50 hot dogs. We'll tell you why. But before we get into that good stuff, I'm going to turn it over to Juliet for a rundown of the latest in business and tech. A new survey found U.S. companies are planning the biggest pay bump in 15 years in 2023, with workers expected to get an average raise of 4.1%. That's great news, but unfortunately, it is still less than half the rate of inflation. The average rent in Manhattan broke $5,000 for the first time in history. The June report from Elliman and Miller Samuel placed the average monthly rent in the city at $5,058, or about $61,000 per year. By contrast, the average annual salary in the United States is about $56,000. London's Heathrow Airport wants to place a limit of 100,000 passengers per day this summer, saying airlines have not come up with a plan to solve resourcing challenges. Now Emirates is refusing and accuses Heathrow of creating an Armageddon situation due to its own incompetence and non-action. Amazon released a teaser for its upcoming Lord of the Rings TV show. The show has eight episodes in its first season and is estimated to have cost $465 million to produce. And finally, Wordle is being turned into a board game. Last year, the game's creator, Josh Wardle, sold it to the New York Times for somewhere in the low seven figures. Now the newspaper is partnering with Hasbro to create a physical version. It is the latest move by the Times to diversify its revenue away from advertising. Josh is probably regretting that sale right about now. I feel like that Hasbro game is going to rake in some serious money. Yeah, I wonder if he gets any of it. Like, I wonder what their deal is. Yeah. Probably not. He probably just uh, sold it all. Yeah, I'm sure the Times is going to take every penny of that. (laughs) Keep the royalties. Just always keep a little bit of royalties. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. All right, Mark, I want to start this conversation off with a little background. So college athletes have always been a hot commodity. They're in video games, they're on jerseys, they sell shitload of tickets. But for a very long time, they weren't able to collect a piece of the action, right? Can you just lay out kind of the big debate for us that led up to this? Yeah, yeah. So it's been a year now since the NIL name image likeness, which allowed athletes to start essentially making money off of themselves. But for the previous century, more than the previous century, since the NCAA existed, athletes were not allowed to monetize themselves. You know, they would, like you were saying, appear in video games, 
you'd see their jersey sold like at a basketball game or something like that. And they would just not get anything. Mm-hmm. It would just be like, well, hey, your face is going to appear in this EA Sports football game or basketball game, but you get nothing. Like a lot of famous athletes will have like these sort of like merchandise sessions where they'll sign things for hundreds of dollars sometimes. Mm-hmm. And college athletes couldn't even do that. Like they literally would get into trouble. I use this example because this is one of my favorites. Like I think this was in 2014, three Oklahoma football players got free spaghetti at some banquet and the NCAA, it's ridiculous. <laughs> NCAA went after them because of that. And they had to like avoid some like punishment for themselves and for their school. They had to like pay back $3.83 wow. to a charity. And as a joke, um, a couple of them gave $5 because they were like, we were really hungry. My gosh. That's what it's been like until last summer. What are we seeing playing out now? Like players are, are finally taking advantage of these so-called NIL agreements. Are people like banding together? Like how are players approaching this? Yeah. So this is a good time to kind of reflect on that because it's been right about one year, you know, since this started happening. And there's kind of like two different avenues in which athletes have have started to really like take advantage of this and make some money. And one is just kind of like by being entrepreneurial themselves, right? Mm. You know, athletes have reached out to like different brands and things like that and said, hey, could I advertise for you on my social media accounts? Could I appear on a commercial? Things like that. I suppose the more interesting way that this is starting to unfold and the more organized way, which is the that schools are not actually allowed to still sort of pay players. Okay. That's still considered a taboo by the NCAA. So you, you can't like give someone a new car as a recruiting tactic or something like that. Yeah, I mean, people do, <laughs> but, right. but you're not supposed to. It happens under the covers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that said, well, what is happening is that these groups of boosters and donors who used to be the shady figures who'd hand someone like a car or whatever, mm-hmm. they are now allowed to kind of organize in the open. And so they've formed these things called collective. So like all the big universities, like University of Alabama, University of Southern California, schools like that, they all have these collectives and they're a bunch of kind of powerful alums who kind of pool together and they help athletes get Hmm. NIL deals. So they act as sort of like a broker Ah, to helping them monetize themselves better. So that way athletes can do it on their own and get some help. So they're not directly giving the athletes money, but they're kind of setting up this promise of collecting money from different entities. And and it can be a very lucrative promise. Uh, There was a report by The Athletic a couple of months ago, which suggested that one, you know, high school kid who's like a junior football player right now has been promised $8 million of (laughs) NIL deals by the time he is done with college. So that's an insane amount of money. Yeah. But good for him. My gosh. Okay. But those are kind of fringe cases, right? Like, what are we talking for the average D1 athlete right now on NIL deals? So Open Doors is kind of like a big player that also contracts with athletic departments to help athletes get these NIL deals. And per their data, they say like the average Division One athlete is making around $3,700. Hmm. So a pretty good amount uh, when, when you consider that, you know, these are athletes who are, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. That's a, that's a lot of money at that time. Yeah. And also consider the fact that they were making nothing for the previous 100 plus years. You know, I mentioned that one $8 million thing. And, and while it is an outlier, there are several people who make that kind of money. Like there's uh, Oscar Shibwe, who was one of the best basketball players in the country this last year. He could have gone to the NBA, decided to skip the draft to come back to Kentucky for another year. And he's supposed to get around $2 million. There's a couple women's basketball players, the Cavender 
Carter twins who play for the University of Miami. They've appeared on a billboard in Times Square. They have Mm. 5 million social media followers, and they've really dug in. They've gotten a lot of good NIL money. Mm. And this kind of combats the stereotype that female athletes can't really collect as much money as male athletes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the Cavender twins are definitely some of the highest earners, but there are a lot of others who have made a good amount of NIL. And if you look on average, again, according to Open Doors, women's basketball players have earned just about as much as men's basketball players in the NCAA. Wow. That's cool. Okay. You know, football is still king, of course. But if you look behind that, women's volleyball players are, I I believe, right after women's basketball. I mean, take football out of the equation. And it's definitely the case that women athletes are actually earning more from NIL than men. Wow. And that's certainly not the case with pro sports. The other day I looked up Brittany Griner's salary, one of the best NBA players. It's like something like $220,000 a year. And this is like one of the best female basketball players in the world. You compare that to, you know, Steph Curry, he's making $48 million <laughs> this season. Yeah, I think it's bringing up some good questions. I think people have always said, well, there's no demand for women's sports and things like that without really trying. And I think that because we're able to see like athletes kind of go out on their own mm-hmm. and try to make money, I think they're proving that that's not necessarily the case. And perhaps it'll have a trickle down effect somewhere sure. along the lines where you'll see maybe these professional leagues and even like apparel companies actually be like, let's try to invest in this. Right. You know, if a super prominent female college athlete is making a couple million dollars a year in college, they're (laughs) going to have no incentive to go into the WNBA and make (laughs) $200,000. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So those leagues will have to step up. So Mark, stepping back a little bit, like how big do you think the NAL is going to get here? I think it's going to get a lot bigger than what we've seen now. And when I was mentioning that high school player who's supposedly signed this $8 million agreement, I I think we're going to start to see more of that. And again, those will sort of be like the really big fish that get that. But I mean, it's only been a year and the NCAA hasn't even really come up with like any reasonable rules regarding NIL. Schools haven't exactly figured out the best ways they can monetize it. Everybody's still kind of learning and there's not a whole lot of structure yet. Hmm. And I actually think that once more structure gets in place, it will allow for more earnings, you know, because people will know what they can do and what they can't do. And we're going to start to see, I think, especially the superstars will make even more money. But I, I even think the sort of middle class will see a slight uptick too, even from this, you know, $3,500, $4,000 that we've seen over the last year. Hmm. All right, let's shift to something totally different here. Juliet, I want to bring you in on this one. Costco, I love Costco. One of the things that they're very famous for is their militant stance on hot dogs. <laughs> they have really refused to raise the price of their food court hot dogs. They've been a dollar fifty for as long as I can remember. So in a climate where like everything's getting pounded by inflation right now, why is Costco refusing to raise the price of its dogs? It's just kind of a thing that it does. There's no like concrete financial reason. (laughs) So there's this great mental floss article about the price of hot dogs. And at one point in time, Craig Jelinek, who's Costco CEO now, had suggested to the former CEO, Jim Senegal, that they should raise the prices of the hot dog combo, which is a hot dog and a soda. It's been a buck fifty since like 1985. And they were like, hey, we're losing money on this, so let's raise the prices. And apparently Senegal said, if you raise the prices, I will kill you. (laughs) It's one of the greatest quotes of all time. Yeah. And I also should correct myself. I can't believe it's not just $1.50 for a hot dog. It's $1.50 for the dog and the soda. It's the combo. Yeah, it's a full meal. And, um, you know, they have made some changes over time. At one point, they switched from Coke to Pepsi. 
because it was a little cheaper. In 2009, mm. they decided they were going to start making their own hot dogs. They had previously bought from Hebrew National. Now they make their own. So they've made some changes to cut costs. But for the most part, it's really stayed the same for decades. And part of this is Costco doesn't really make its profit from its food court. It makes it from the annual membership fee. And that may increase over time. Mm. But it's almost like a, a form of goodwill. Like you're mm. a Costco member. You know you can come here and do your shopping and you pay an annual fee for that. And at the end of your time here, you can get a hot dog and a soda for a buck fifty. And so it's kind of just like an eternal perk of being a member is that you always have this reliable, maybe not healthy, but you have this reliable filling meal at the end of your shopping journey. Yeah, totally. I think I've read in the past too, it's like it signifies to buyers how affordable Costco is. Like you walk mm -hmm. in there and you see the dollar fifty and you're like, psychologically, you're just like, man, everything here is so cheap. Right. Just it's one of those things that, that just can't possibly change for them. And what's interesting to me is if they had kept pace with inflation, the combo would be like 413 now. Okay. Well. And in my neighborhood, I live in Los Angeles. I live in a neighborhood called Highland Park. And the other day, this is like a couple of weeks ago. So there's this guy that sells hot dogs on the sidewalk. And these are not Costco hot dogs. They are wrapped in bacon with like sauteed pepper and onions. And they're very common here. People call them like a dirty dog or a street dog. And this guy has been selling hot dogs apparently for a really long time. That is what he said when he pushed over another hot dog <laughs> vendor's cart and was like, this is my turf. And so we watched the whole thing happen. It was like, oh my gosh, it's the Highland Park hot dog wars. And the thing about these hot dogs are, I was wondering how much they cost because they were, you know, having this whole argument over them. This guy is selling bacon wrapped hot dogs for $8. Wow. For okay. one hot dog. And it's a great move because he's like set up in front of a bunch of bars. So people are stumbling out drunk and they're like, yeah, I'll pay $8 for a hot dog. Right. But it's just funny to me that like, Everywhere else, the price of just a hot dog is going up and up and up. But at Costco, it is always a buck fifty, and you get a drink. Ah, <laughs> uh, but it's not dirty. It's not a dirty dog. You gotta no. have the <laughs> you gotta have the bacon and the peppers. Honestly, yeah. this is actually really fascinating. Like, obviously, Costco's members are price sensitive. They join for the perk of getting things cheaper. The food court. Some might see it as kind of a loss leader that gets people indoor, but it's also just one of those institutional things that they're just, I don't think they're willing to change. I know that Costco CEO recently gave an interview and he was asked if he would consider raising the price. What was his answer there? No. And that's it. He just <laughs> one, said one no. word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I love it. I've only been to Costco once because I don't have a, a membership. And I, uh, I remember we ate pizza at Costco and I was like, this is actually like a fairly decent pizza. But I think it's part of the experience. Like you go to Costco, you get the treat at the end of your time there. And it's the same with like people who go to Ikea because they want to eat Swedish meatballs. Mm -hmm. It's like going to Disneyland. You're like, oh, I got to have a Dole Whip. But like, it's much cheaper to just be like, I have to buy a bunch of toilet paper and then get my tug. <laughs> I kind of see this in some ways, though, as like the opposite of like what happens at like, you know, movie theaters or, or gas stations huh. mm, where yeah. movie theaters, they jack up the prices of the concessions, a.k.a. the hot dogs. So that way they can sell you the ticket at the same price. It's kind of like Costco's doing the same trick. You know, it's like, hey, we'll keep this hot dog a dollar fifty and get some really good headlines. And, and it is. I love that they're doing it. And then we'll raise your membership price. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have they raised membership price? Is it going up? I'm I think they're sure. talking about it, right? What does it cost right now to become a member of Costco? I usually just mooch off of other people's memberships. It's $60, apparently. Okay. $60 a year. It gets you in the door for the $1.50 hot dogs. Yeah, that is an interesting point, Mark. You look at something like movie theaters, their main attraction, the ticket, they try to keep it stable. 
popcorn is like inflated in price by like six, 800% or something in the past five decades. God. And then, you know, the food court isn't Costco's main business, but like you said, Juliet, a lot of people swear by it. I, I mean, the pizza I hear is one of the greatest pizzas you can buy. <laughs> yeah. Mark, have you ever had a Costco pizza? I've never had one actually. Like I, I have totally missed out on the Costco experience. Like we had oh. Sam's club in the Kansas city area where oh, I grew up yeah. and no Costco. You're the pizza scholar. I know. Man. I'm like the fast food pizza, fast food, kind of everything. That's why I, I wanted to know your power rankings of where the Costco fit. <laughs> yeah. And also, Mark, you've written about pizza inflation just in general. I mean, I've reported on it. I'm still trying to get it all together. But the thing is that it really has not gone up. Like, yeah, pizza has stayed fairly stable since the 80s. Like the the sort of $9.99 large pizza deal that was still readily available last winter at Domino's or Pizza Hut was just about the same thing that they charged in the 1990s. It would be $9.99 for mm. a large pizza. Yeah, you know, this kind of reminds me of the whole Arizona tea saga too. Like it's been 99 cents forever. They didn't raise the prices for a long time. It's kind of just a part of their brand, a part of their ethos. And same thing with Coca-Cola. For many, many, many decades, the price just stayed at five cents. And regardless of inflation, they just found ways to cut costs on the back end to keep it at that price point. I do wonder about the future of the Costco dog you wonder how long they can hold out on this before they really start taking a loss on those numbers. Mm -hmm. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. If you liked what you heard today, we've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go ahead and get yourself signed up over at thehustle.co. Have a delicious weekend hopefully one with a couple Costco dogs. See y'all next week.